0: So, I feel very strongly about what I'm teaching this morning. Um, Satan, when the Father speaks, Satan does all that he can to try and discredit your faith in what was spoken, and he will come against it with everything that he has. All of hell will come against the light. The darkness will always come against the light, but the light will always prevail over the darkness. And so as I've wrestled, as I usually do with this text, and wrestled with what I felt the Lord was having me bring this morning, um, all these voices saying, well, you don't totally understand trading, and this isn't really about trading, and, and I'm like, well, I, I think it is. I think it is. And we've used language, right? How many times have we sung? We will sing this song later. I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain for the joy of the Lord, that we want to give all that we have to the Father, and then he gives us all that he has. There's a kingdom dynamic there. We talk about it with reaping and sowing. God will not be mocked, a man will reap what he sows. What we plant is what will come out of the ground. I don't think any farmer has ever been surprised that an orange tree grew when he threw a cherry seed into the ground, right? That's not how it works. So there's kingdom principle to be understood in this and the Lord has revealed more and more to me and so I just need you to know that I'm even stepping out on faith and teaching this in the way that I'm teaching it because it's it's new for me but I couldn't shake it. I woke up, it was maybe Wednesday, Wednesday morning at 4 a.m. and I was laying there in bed and I felt, I, I heard the scripture in my mind that says I counsel you to buy from me Gold refined by fire. And that's all I heard. And I was like, Okay, it's four AM. I need to go right back to sleep because my alarm's gonna go off at six fifteen. Right. I have two hours and fifteen minutes, right? You ever count how many how much time you have left to sleep when you wake up in the middle of the night? I got thirty more minutes if I can just go right to sleep right now. So I'm laying there and I hear it again, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. I'm like, Okay, I'll I'll just put it in my phone and, and I'll look it up later. And then a third time, it's like the Lord was talking through his teeth. I counsel you <laughs> to buy from me. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I opened the, the scriptures and I was half asleep and, you know, just four in the morning. I'm saying, okay, Lord, what do you have? What do you have? And you know what? It's, I think he speaks to me in those times because, like, I'm not focused on anything else. And if I can just not be focused on sleep for a moment, nothing else is in my brain. It's it's. Me and him, and he's got a clean slate and open ears and an open heart. And, and so I wrote it. I kind of typed out the scripture. I looked it up, and then I started praying and, and just kind of meditating on it. And it, it, this took all of five to ten minutes, and the Lord just whoosh. And so I typed it all out, and then the next morning I told Christine, oh, the Lord woke me up last night with this, this word. I said, I'll open it later, and I'll be surprised at what I read because I don't remember exactly what I put down. So as I began to continue to, to read through this, the Lord revealed some more things to me. And so I don't typically name my sermon something clever, but I felt like the title of the sermon should be called Insider Trading. And if you've ever heard of insider trading, typically it's an illegal action and people have tips and they know some things that are gonna happen typically with large companies and large amounts of money. Something's gonna sell, someone's gonna buy, someone's gonna get an influx of of investment and it's gonna make stock prices soar or drop. And so if you're trading stocks, you can either act on that tip and make an investment or you can retract investment. And you've got this insider trading tip. So you know how to invest or not to invest resources. And Jesus, in Revelation, tells us exactly where to invest our resources. He tells us exactly where to give and what to give. And he tells us our return. There's no gray area. There's no we might make a return on this. The truth is that where Jesus tells us to give our resources, there will be return, and it'll be the best return we can ever have. And the interesting thing is the resources that he asks us to invest are not enough to purchase what we receive. It's really beautiful. So let's start by reading Revelation 3. It'll be, I believe, 15 through 21. I may have gotten that wrong here. it says unto the angel of the lord or excuse me and to the angel of the church in laodicea write the words of the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of god's creation and just a little tidbit here i think it's interesting that a word, uh, a name used for jesus is the amen so when we say amen we say let it be done jesus is the amen because he did it <laughs> amen So that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant To sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. And so Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea, and he's telling this angel to write this down that these are the words of Christ. And he establishes his authority, the faithful, he's the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, this is Christ. So his authority has been established. And so Jesus then goes on and says, hey, look, I know your works and they're neither hot nor cold. And so Jesus is addressing lukewarmness. The the lukewarmness, I believe, wasn't only complacency, but I believe the lukewarmness manifested in independence. You know what that means, right? Right? To be independent of God is different than being dependent upon God. And so when we function in independence from God, that's when we find lukewarmness and complacency. We get to this place to where we become self-sustaining and we believe that all of the resources that we've, we've been able to gather because of our gifts and our talents and our abilities and our good looks and our well-spokenness and whatever it may be, we've, we've created this life where we're comfortable and so we're not seeking God as though we, we don't need what he has to offer. We don't need who he is. I don't need him because I've got this under control. I remember... Oh, maybe 2010, 2011, 2012. Those years is when I first moved to Wichita. And I was living on very little money for those three years. Uh, it may have been $800 a month or something like that. Um, I got to the point where I was even donating plasma to try and make ends meet. And I had a Vizio 32-inch television that I would pawn probably every other month so I could have 100 bucks to make it through and then i would go i'd get my paycheck and i'd pay it back and i was doing that whole thing if you've ever taken a loan from speedy cash you know that that can be a crazy perpetual cycle of trying to sustain for yourself but you're digging yourself into a deeper hole and i remember that I'm the, i remember back then and even now i'm the kind of person that when i'm facing some sort of issue that requires finances i immediately shift into what are my resources? How much is in this account? How much is on my credit card? How much is in our bank account? How much is in our our money jar? How much is in savings? How m- and I just begin to go through this list of Finances and resources and I'm saying how can I solve this problem with these resources? Now no doubt the Father has given me those resources but I shift into the self-sustaining mentality and I forget that God is the one that provides all things for me, and he meets all needs. And it's not just physical needs, it's also spiritual needs. There's, there's a lot of physical things he's talking about here, but all of that comes from the spiritual and manifests in the physical. It's spiritual first, and then it manifests physical. And so there are times where my trust shifts away from the Father to provide all things to me to provide all things. And that's where I, I believe I get into a place of independence and complacency. And I believe that's where I'm acting either, I'm, I'm acting lukewarm. I'm, it's whatever, I got this. I'm not seeking God for more provision. I'm not hitting my knees and crying out, Lord, I trust you more, grow me through this trial. No, I have a trial, let me just throw some money at it, and then I'm fine. I'm not acting as a son of God who would say, Father, what do you want to teach me through this trial? As James tells us, rejoice in your sufferings. So Jesus is addressing this issue, and he says this to them. He says, you say, I am rich. I have prospered, and I need nothing. And so I looked up this word rich, and obviously it means rich, (laughs) but the phrase that stood out to me was fully resourced. In the Greek definition of this word, it says being fully resourced. And so complacency and lukewarmness means functioning in a place where we believe that we are fully resourced for all things through self and not through God. So the people were saying, I'm rich, I'm fine, I've prospered, I don't need anything. And Jesus says, well, let me give you a little heart check. And let me, give you, let, me, let me show you on the inside what's really going on because it's easy to look at people who look like they have it together, look like they're rich in wealth and possessions and things, and Jesus looks straight through that, and he says, you are wretched, you are poor, you're pitiable, you're blind, and you're naked. He sees into the heart of the matter. So the problem is that when we function independently from God— We're wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, and naked. And so he shows us then the truth, the matter of our hearts. You know, I I think about Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and it talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. And we look at Scripture and Jesus came to to give to the poor, and to love the poor, and to serve the poor, and so it's an act of grace that Jesus is even making that status of their heart known because then he can address it. He, he brings the problem out from the depths, and he says, here's the issue. Let me show, you, show, let me show you the real issue, right? And that's the way Jesus works. When we present our heart to him. When we say, "Here I am, Father, show me all of the wicked ways. See if there's any wicked way in me." Here's my heart. Jesus, he'll he'll look and he'll say, "Here's the thing behind the thing. You're wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, and naked." And you're thinking, "Man, I thought I was doing pretty good." And I remember reading the scripture one time, and I'm like, "I am." Ugh. You ever felt that way about yourself? I don't feel so much a that way about myself now because I know that the way Jesus sees me. But I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're so aware of your brokenness and you're so aware of the the anger and the ugliness in your heart and you're disgusted by it and you begin to see it and it actually does something in you that makes you want to change. That's an act of grace that the Lord would reveal that because He says, then I'm going to counsel you on how to solve that problem. So the problem is we're wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, and naked. But Jesus, now, I think this is the epitome of Christian counseling. Instead of Christian, it's Christian. It's actually Jesus being a counselor because he's saying, look, I counsel you. And when I read that, he says, I counsel you. And I was like, wait a second. Jesus is actually giving us advice. He's saying, here's the problem. I'm actually going to counsel you through this issue. And so he says, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. White garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And this just reminds me of the sermon I spoke a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the prodigal son and how the father gave the son his best robe so that the son could then function in authority in the image of the father. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do here. He's saying, buy gold so you won't be poor. Buy white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. So if we think about... Genesis, I believe it's chapter 3, the fall of man. Here's something interesting. Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. Genesis, or Revelation, the last book, chapter 3. How do we clothe the nakedness we were found in when we fell to sin? It's a good little connection. So Adam and Eve sin. They realize they're naked. They sew together fig leaves to cover their nakedness. The father then comes and says, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? Well, yeah, she told me to do it, but I had some too. Um, Ground is cursed, you're cursed, labor pains, get out of the garden, right? But in that, he still shows grace by taking the skin of an animal and covering them. And so that was to cover their nakedness physically. But Jesus says, buy for me white garments so that your shame and your guilt, the spiritual effects... Of our sin would be covered. So Jesus says, yeah, buy white garments, clothe yourself, and then he says, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I just think this is, is so interesting that Jesus is giving us these solutions. I think Jesus here in uh second corinthians 8 chapter 9 he gives us an image of what it's like to trade into something he's trade in he's trading into something and he's seeing a fruit come from that and if and so just let me just say this real quick when I talk about trading, I'm not giving a, a full in-depth teaching on what trading is. I'm giving what the Lord has shown me through this scripture and tying it into how we've talked about it on Sundays. But Christine has a class called Engaging Heaven, and she teaches a, a, um, one of those classes, one of the nights, the subject, or one of the afternoons also, is on trading. And she has more in-depth conversation on that. And what she'll tell us, and what she, what Christine does when she comes and leads communion, is she says that the ultimate trade ever was Christ for us. Christ giving his life so that we might have life. That was the ultimate trade. He said, they're, they're going to die. So speaking of, of the fall of man, Scripture says, that they had to be kicked out of the garden or else they would eat of the tree of life and then they would have eternal life. But the wage of sin is death. And so because of the sin in our life, death is our wage. Death is what we get paid. Jesus saw that we were in death, and so he traded life for death he sowed into that. He traded into that. And it says here in Second Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We see a trading of, of being rich to being poor, so that in his poverty we might become rich. And we gain what he has because he traded that for us. And so Jesus, in Revelation 3, is saying, Look, I've already given this to you. You simply need to receive it, but there's a switch that needs to happen. You know, Scripture tells us that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. But Jesus very clearly speaks about the cost of following him when he says, If any man would come after me, he must take up his cross... Die to self daily and come to me. That when we come to Christ, we give all that we are for all that he is. The reward of the gospel is Christ himself. When we believe in the gospel, we receive Christ, and when we receive Christ, he gives us his spirit to dwell in us, that by the spirit we cry, Abba, Father, and we gain the Father, so we gain the Father, we gain heaven, we gain Christ, his throne, and all of his inheritance, and we gain his will, and we gain his power. But what do we bring? How do we, how do we, how do we afford, how do we buy what we can't afford? That's kind of the question that rose up in my heart when I was looking at this. Jesus, you just said that I'm poor. Okay, I'm rich, I'm good. No, you're poor. So buy for me gold refined by fire. So you're saying the best gold with all its impurities gone within its purest form that the Messiah has. So Jesus the Messiah, he's, he's got the treasury. He's got all the, all the best refined gold in the world. And he says, you're poor. Come buy this from me. You're yanking my chain, Jesus. How am, I supposed to, how am I supposed to afford that gold? That gold? How am I supposed to afford that? And as I asked the Lord of this at 4 a.m., 4 whatever time it was, I said, how do we afford, or how do we buy what we can't afford? And he says, you give everything you have. And everything that we have is still not enough. But this is the kingdom principle at work. This is a kingdom principle. The kingdom is a place where the poor are made rich, the kingdom is a place where the naked are clothed, the kingdom is a place where the blind have sight and they done nothing to deserve that this is where the ki- this is how the kingdom works jesus came and he healed the sick because that's the love of the father he sees sickness and he says i have to fill that sickness with health he sees those who are blind and he says i have to give them eyes to see he sees the poor and he says i have to make them rich now, just understand, I'm not talking only about finances. I'm talking about spiritually. And so how do we buy what we can't afford? We give everything we have. There's a parable that Jesus tells, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like the man who found treasure in a field, went away, sold everything that he had, immediately came back and bought the field. Did he want the field or did he want the treasure? He wanted the treasure. He saw the value and the worth of what there was to gain in living in the kingdom of God. And so he looked at his life and he said, none of it's worth holding on to. Paul said, I consider all things loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And so when we look at our lives and we look at what we have... And not only the things that we think are inadequate, but also the things that we think are adequate, right? The things that caused us to live in complacency in the first place, can we look at those things and can we offer them to the Lord and say, I want what you have. By God, I don't want to walk around naked in my sin filled with shame and guilt. Who wants that? Nobody wants shame and guilt. I've lived with shame and guilt for a long time. And by God's grace, I am experiencing freedom from that as a son, one who's been redeemed and one who's been forgiven and is in Christ. And so I remember one time I was driving down the freeway and I was crying out to the Lord and I was just, I was weeping because I felt so disgusted at myself and I was going to the Father and I remember he said, you need to stop focusing so much on what you've done and focus more on what Jesus has done. Because when we shift our thinking, when we look at Christ, it takes the focus off of us and our inadequacies, and we look at Jesus and everything that he's done. Jesus hung on the cross, and he said, it is finished. It is done. That's it. It's finished. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness has come. It is finished. Period. And we live in that. It's not, it is finished. Comma, but if Jason gets his crap together and goes so many months without an outburst of anger or looking at something on the computer he's not to, then it's finished. Or really finished. It is finished, but if you can get your act together and make righteousness come out of nowhere on your own apart from Christ, right? This is what we do. We read it as done, and then in our lives and our minds, we function as though it's not done. We live in shame and guilt and condemnation. But Jesus is saying, look, what I have for you, gold refined by fire, that's better. A white garment is better than your filthy rags. Right? Scripture tells us that our works are just filthy rags to the Lord. When we try on our own independently to attain righteousness, we're still filthy. Jesus says, look at what I've done. Buy for me that white garment. Why do I afford it? Just give everything you have. All right, salve for your eyes. He says we're blind. We can't really see everything that's going on. We're not really understanding the magnitude and the weight and the glory of everything, the kingdom, the impact of our lives, the 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 way that we can live out His will in our workplace, in our home, and everywhere we go. We're we're blind to some of these things. And He's saying, look, you just need a little bit of might, just. Take two of these and call me in the morning. Boom, eyesight, right? you saying, buy that from me. And then it's interesting because we look at who we are, and, and I don't think being poor in spirit is thinking poorly of yourself. I think being poor in spirit is realizing that you are not independently, fully resourced for life and godliness and righteousness. You look at your life and you say, I'm woefully inadequate apart from you, Jesus. And so Jesus says, you bring whatever you have. And so on the flip side of this page, this is, he tells us, it's, this is how we can trade and we gain and we will gain what is from heaven. And so we trade all of our inequity, inadequate, I should have chose a different word. I'm tripping over it. We trade all of our inadequacies, and our inadequate resources for his. This is that kingdom principle. Check this out. We, tra- we trade our brokenness to gain his wholeness. Jesus says, I want you to be whole. I want you to be sealed and marked with the Holy Spirit, because if you're just mind and body, you are 0.666 of a person. You are Two-thirds of a person, when I mark you with my spirit and seal you, you are a whole individual filled with life and eternal life. And this was the plan and the blueprint of God for man. Man fell, spirit died. We function in two-thirds of who we're meant to be until we reunite with him in his spirit. And he makes us whole. And so, Jesus, you want to make me whole, so what do I do? Bring your brokenness. How does that even make sense? That we bring that which is broke to receive that which is unbroken. It's a kingdom principle. It's what Jesus promises us. We trade our unrefined gold for his refined gold. God, I've got some stuff, but it, you know, it's kind of got some impurities and it's a little funky. But here, and he gives us refined gold. We trade our filthy rags for his white garments. We trade our blindness for his sight. We trade our weakness for his strength. We trade our less than enough for his more than enough. Amen. And we fully surrender everything to him. And this is the promise that he makes. And I think about, you know, I think this is what a lot of people have. A problem with concerning the gospel of Christ is that the gospel of Christ is good news and it's good news because it takes all of what all of the bad news of us and it throws it out the window so you're telling me that in all of my brokenness all of my sin every every time I've spoken harshly towards my wife Every time I've I've been angry with people around me and I've let that turn into bitterness in my heart. Every time I went out and got drunk. Every time I was prideful or arrogant. All of these times, all of these terrible things that we see in our own lives that we in our own lives that we've done and we look at all of that and we're like, is this even worth anything? Well, it's it has worth in the kingdom because you trade it for what Jesus has you it's like you walking into a store and you have a penny and you're trying to buy something worth a million dollars right i want that well sir that's going to be a million dollars i've got one american cent sold what do you mean sold because trading into the kingdom isn't a fair game. <laughs> we function through the worldly thought process of fairness. And when fairness enters into what we, we think things should be, well, then we've already thrown love and grace out the window. What is fair? Our God is just. But our God desires mercy over justice. He's a loving God and he looks and he sees that which is not worthy of love and he loves us anyway. He says, even while you were sinners, I died for you. Even while you were my enemy, I died for you. It's this crazy kingdom dynamic that whatever we bring into the kingdom that we have, he takes and he multiplies, even if it wasn't, it was worth nearly anything in the beginning. That's why Jesus saw that the woman who gave two, the widow's mite, she gave these two denarii or pennies or, you know, slivers of a penny, whatever it is. And he says, that woman has given more than what any of these other rich people have given because the rich people were self-sustaining. She depended on God for all things. She sowed into the kingdom. And he says, that woman has given more. The value that man has placed on stuff gets thrown out the window when Jesus looks. He says, well, you think that's worth a million dollars. Actually, that's not worth anything. But that, a million dollars in the hands of a sinner versus a couple dollars in the hands of a believer, far more impact for the kingdom. Far more potential to grow into a tree that bears fruit. And so I just, I find this so interesting. I, I know there's more to it. I believe the Lord will continue to reveal stuff to us. I, one of the reasons that I gave you this worksheet, so I want, you to, I want you to not only pay attention during the sermon, I want you to go home, I want you to read over, I want you to pray through it. I want you to use our Facebook group to say, hey, I thought about something else. Type it up and send it out and then we can get a feed going and say, man, that's so good. I want you guys to, to mill around and talk about what this means to you and, and maybe what the Lord is showing you. But I want to make, make one last point before we move back into a time of prayer and worship. And here's the point I want to make, is that we can trade and we can give everything that we have. Now hear me hear me on this. We can give without giving and we can give by giving. Does that make sense? Let me tell you how. The way inheritance works is that a father has an estate and certain portions of that state are allotted for his sons and his daughters, his children, as he passes or as time goes on and he begins to release and allow that inheritance to be given to those children physically but the father in his heart has already given has already decided that he would give and the time will come where the resources physically will then go away or be sown into the kingdom or whatever it may be according to his will and so first principle concerning that is that as sons of God we have access to the inheritance of Christ Whatever that looks like, kingdom, authority, power, spiritual blessings, speaking life, reclaiming land for the kingdom, a million dollars in your bank account, whatever it and is. Don't hear me. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm preaching inheritance in Christ because all that is his is ours. And he chooses when he releases that inheritance to us. Now, we can receive portions of that inheritance while we're on earth to continue to go and do his will, and there's inheritance that we know nothing about that we will eternally experience as we enter into eternity in his presence, right? So, I want to say this about your stuff and my stuff and everything that we have that we've depended on to be self-sustaining To bring us to a point of complacency, not believing God for more or believing that we need him for anything. I had a moment where I prayed uh, one, one morning, and I hit my knees and I began to talk to the Lord, and I realized that I had been holding on too much to the things that I felt that I had a right to. Let me just tell you that Jesus let all of his rights go on the cross. And on the way to the cross, he gave up his right to be offended. He gave up his right to be right. He gave up the right to his authority. He could have called down legions of angels. Right? He could have responded to Pilate and said, they're lying in their accusations. He could have, when they were mocking him and said, are you truly the son of God? Well, then take yourself down off that cross. And he could have just went... healed all his wounds, and been like, what? (laughs) Can you imagine that? We've seen enough Hollywood movies that we can reimagine flesh growing on a body, (laughs) and he could have done that. He gave up his right to do that, and as I began to pray, and I was saying, Lord, I I need to give up my rights. I'm holding on too, too closely to some of the comforts and the things of the world, and so I began to pray, and a couple sentences in, I began to weep as I'm giving up things to the Lord. And so some of the things that I prayed were, Lord, I I give up um, my camera equipment. Because I love videography, right? I said, Lord, I, I give up the Salty Dogs podcast. I love the Salty Dogs podcast. Casey just made a made a face. I said, Lord, I give up our home. Gotta give up our car, my job, my computer. I said it, my Instagram account, my Facebook account, and we laugh. But man, the the roots to internet addiction go deep. They go deep. I began to relinquish. All of these things, Lord, I give up my right to be offended. Got to give up my right to be angry about a messy household. I give up my right to be angry about trash not being taken out. All of these things, just began to give up my right. And essentially, what I was doing is I was saying this, Lord, I see that there are things that are in me that are brokenness and that are that are sinful. And, and I want to give up my right to allow those things to be a part of me. I want to trade those in. I want to give them to you, and you do with that those areas what you want to do with them. But I was saying, Father, this, this house, these things, these clothes, this computer, it, my ministry, all the things I'm a part of, my vehicle, my job— Anything I could possibly think of that I own in this world, I began to give to him. And I say, you do whatever you want to do with it. Kim and I have had this conversation before. She says, I feel really strongly that the Lord's told us that at some point in time, we're going to have to give away our house. And I was like, "Nah, I'd rather sell it so we can take the money and go pay debt and this, that, and the other. But I've come to a point to where, I mean, why not? Why not? Do we see the value in being willing to trade into the kingdom to gain what the kingdom has? I would rather be free from sin and not have guilt and shame and know that I'm clothed in a white garment standing before the throne of the Father. Because then in Revelation I read that there was a sea of people in white standing before the throne. We know those are the people who were in Christ. So yes, I want that. I would rather be clothed in righteousness of God than live as a millionaire, right? Much rather. If being a millionaire means I don't know Christ, I don't want to be a millionaire, right? I want what he has, And so I began to relinquish these things, saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Some of these things, they become idols. They become gods. The things we own end up owning us, as they say. And I just began to give all this to him. That being said, as I went through this process of trading into the kingdom and saying, these are all yours, Father, that was a heart thing. And just because I haven't gone and sold my house doesn't mean I'm not ready and willing to sell the house or give the house when God says give the house. Does that make sense? If he ever says, step away from podcasting, sorry, Casey, if the Lord speaks, he, he shall, Yeah, Yeah, solo podcast. Give it up. That's right, the salty the salty dog, yeah. If he ever says, give up the video stuff, I mean, I'm going to have to say yes, Lord. But I've gotten to a place already where I've hit my knees and I've gone to the Father and I've seen the value in the things that I have here and the value of the things I'm a part of. And then I see the kingdom and I say, if you have something better for me, I want what you have. Even if it means in the physical, I look like I have less than. And that's tough. But this is the heart that the Father wants to deal with in us. He wants to see that, and he wants to show us the places where we're wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, and naked. And he wants to show, those, show us those places, and then he calls us to trade all of that into who he is so that he might fill all those places with what he has. So where there's where we were poor, we become rich. Where we were blind, we see. Where we were naked, we are clothed. Where we were dead, we live. Amen. And so just one more thing I want to say about trading real quick. Sometimes we do trade physically. Sometimes we do say, okay, Lord, I'm going to sow into that. I'm going to give. I want to see that happen here. I'm going to give to this. And this isn't just a way to like make the church more money. Right, here's something I need to tell you about finances in the church. Our philosophy of finances is pay our bills and give the rest away and so the Lord has given us opportunity to where there are there are there are missions and ministries stirring in people's hearts, and as our finance team prays and allows the spirit to lead us we we give those resources as we feel led. We just uh A couple of months ago, we gave away $700 for missions for a girl going to Nepal that I've never even met. Christine knows her. And I'm not saying that to say, hey, look how generous we are. I'm saying that to show you our heart concerning finances, that all that we have is the fathers. Nobody here gets paid. We don't make any money. And so I just want to say that, that even though we can trade spiritually our brokenness and our things and allocate stuff for the kingdom... We can also trade into the natural and we say, hey, you know what? I've, I've got some stuff, but I want to give that so that it can, it can be sown into the kingdom and it can bring forth a harvest. And so that's up to you to decide what that looks like in your own life. We never have we ever, never, ever here have we ever said anything about a percentage, about a dollar amount, about anything. And I just need you to know that because we function in freedom as sons of God, under the headship of Christ, and he puts on people's hearts what to give, how to give, who to give to, what to trade, when to trade, where to trade, why to trade, That's it's his business. I'm simply here to help paint this picture just a little bit about the kingdom dynamic of trading into what Christ has for us and his inheritance, and stop focusing on the things that we think we have, and really ask Jesus, Show me where to invest everything that I am and all that I am so that your kingdom will be built and I will have true value in my life concerning the things that you've given me. That is a heavenly spiritual value versus a physical value. So we need to begin to see everything through a different lens, through the lens that Christ gives us.